You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. none would perish. It's God's will that all would be saved. It's God's will that all would come to repentance. These had blatantly chosen not to. Watershed moment in their lives. One way or the other, things were never going to be the same in their lives. The decision to accept or reject Jesus Christ is the ultimate decision that every single one person in the world will have to face at one time or another. It's the must-answer question. It must be answered. Have you ever had your watershed moment with Jesus? There's only two ways you can go when you're confronted with that decision. As Pastor Dave will explain in today's message, choosing to put it off is equivalent to rejection. Eternal life and restoration of your broken soul is available now. Don't put it off any longer. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 6 as he continues his message, A Watershed Moment. Just because this is John 6, you have to take in consideration the other Gospels to fill in all the things that have happened before this. John is only showing you the things that you would believe that Jesus is the Son of God. He hasn't filled in the blanks like Matthew, Mark, and Luke have. So we're well into Jesus' ministry. A lot of things have happened. And after this time, after this rejection by the masses... Jesus' entire ministry changes. He now focuses on those who stay, the 12. No longer is it a public ministry, but it's now teaching the 12. And one of them's the devil. He teaches them because he knows they're going to be left behind when he dies. They know they're going to have to carry on the message after he's gone. Jesus was on the verge of losing many people. John calls them disciples. Those that followed hard after him. Those that wanted to learn of him. Those that thought themselves to be devoted to him. It was a watershed moment for Jesus because as a disciple, you need to count the cost of discipleship. You need to count the cost of discipleship. If any man wants to follow after me, he must deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow me. There's a cost to discipleship. These people were faced with a cost. They were faced with a cost. It was a watershed moment for Jesus. But it was also a watershed moment for the disciples, all of the disciples together. Look at 60 through 66. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? What then if you see the Son of Man ascend from where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. But you, there, but there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were, who did not believe, and who would betray him. And then he said, Therefore, I have said to you that no one comes to me unless it has been granted to him by the Father. From that time, many of the disciples went back and walked with him no more. A watershed moment for the disciples. 
Many of those who followed him, many of those who thought they were his disciples, who called them disciples, turned around and walked away. Most of the people just blatantly left that day. They just turned their backs and walked on them. They just walked away. Many of these were followers from the beginning. Why today? Why did they leave today? Why did they leave after Jesus said this? Because Jesus was drawing them closer. Jesus was drawing them closer still. He was drawing them deeper into the relationship between he and them. He wanted them to realize the cost of discipleship. He wanted them to realize where true spiritual life comes from. He wanted them to realize these things. Calling them to change their lives. And this was the kicker. They didn't want to change their lives. They didn't want to change their lives. He was calling them into this. He was calling them into repentance. And repentance simply means change. And they did not want to change. They didn't want to change their lives. He wanted them to invest in eternal things, calling them to forsake the world and come completely to him. Really interesting when you look at the text, the way it's worded, and you break it down in the Greek. It tells us that the people understood what Jesus was saying when he said, you must eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. And although the doctrine was difficult, it was a hard saying. And although it was different than what they had been taught, they understood what Jesus had been telling them. They just couldn't apply it. They weren't ready to change. Have you ever shared the gospel with somebody who's not ready to change? I shared the gospel. I shared my heart out to one of my best friends when I was working at Tech. Shared my heart about them. And they came back to me and said, if I accept Christ, will I have to change? I went, well, no, you don't have to, but you'll want to. I don't want to accept him because I'm happy where I am. Unfortunately, my friend has passed on. He wanted them to come closer. Jesus is calling you closer today. He's calling you. He says, come closer. Come closer. Yes, there is going to be change. Many don't want to hear about Jesus today because it involves change. But that's what repentance is. It's change. Change of thought. Change of actions. Change of attitude. It's change. And because of this teaching, the disciples simply went back, it says. They went back. And the indication here is they didn't just leave him and walk away. No. They went back to their old home. They went back to their old work. They went back to their old ways. They went back to everything else. They finally left him and kept on doing the old habits, the old things that they were doing before. They went back. They walked with him no more. They abandoned the entire movement. Not only did they give up following Jesus, they gave up everything that he represents and everything that he teaches. They went back. Once Jesus took away the material incentives, once he took away the earthly motives, they left. They didn't want anything about them. The enemies must have thought, hey, we won. Enemies must have thought, we won. Look, up, nobody's following him now. Now, some of them came back. The battle wasn't over. Some of them would come back. But can you imagine how painful it was for Jesus to stand before them and have them all turn him back and walk away? You have to remember two things. Very, very important to keep them in your mind. Jesus was all God, and he was also all man. He had feelings. He cried over Jerusalem when they missed the day of visitation, remember? He cried over Jerusalem because they had missed their day. I can imagine when he was watching all these people walk away. I can imagine the look in his eye. Was there a tear in his eye? Because they were walking away. He knew what they were giving up. He knew what they were going to miss out on. It's God's will that none would perish. It's God's will that all would be saved. It's God's will that all would come to repentance. These had blatantly chosen not to. Watershed moment in their lives. 
One way or the other, things were never going to be the same in their lives. The decision to accept or reject Jesus Christ is the ultimate decision that every single one person in the world will have to face at one time or another. It's the must-answer question. It must be answered. Well, I haven't decided. Well, you decided. Why do people not want eternal life? Why don't people reject Jesus Christ when he's offering them eternal life? I don't understand it. Some people think they don't need a Savior. Well, I'm a good person. I'm a good guy. I'm a good lady. There's nothing wrong with me. Some people can't stand the fact that you, we might think them a sinner. I'm not a sinner. Me, sinner? No, I'm a good person. Some fear social rejection by either family or friends. Social outcast. Oh, you're one of them. Born againers, huh? Ugh. For some people, the world is more appealing. For some people, the world is much more appealing than Jesus Christ. They'd rather hang out with the world. And I think the biggest thing is, sadly, many people just resist the Holy Spirit's prodding. They just resist it. Whatever the reasons are, when people reject Christ, their rejection has disastrous eternal consequences. Disastrous eternal consequences. Peter declares in Acts 4.12, speaking of Jesus, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus makes it quite clear in Matthew 25 what the results are and the consequences are of those who refuse him. Eternal damnation, eternal separation from God, and bad dental work. Gnashing of teeth. <laughs> Chapter 6 began with Jesus feeding 5,000 people or more. Chapter 6 is going to close with Jesus and the 12. He went from 5,000 to 12. Jesus is standing there. They all leave. Like I said, you can see the hurt in his eye. You can see the what he felt like maybe. He already knew that they would leave. He knew in his heart that they would leave. And then he turns and he looks at the 12. And they're probably standing there with dumb looks on their faces like. And he looks at them. And look at verse 67. Then Jesus said to the 12, do you also want to go away? My heart breaks. My heart breaks. But Jesus is giving them the same choice he gave the others. The same choice he's given every one of you, me, the whole world. He's giving them the same choice. This is an emphatic statement. Jesus was forcing the issue now. Jesus started to force the issue. And it's a logical question. Hey, they left. How about you? They're all gone. How about you? Accept or reject. Guess what? This becomes a watershed moment for the 12. This becomes a watershed moment for the 12. I wonder... How much time passed before, between Jesus' question and Peter's answer? Because Peter stands up and answers the question. Did they all look around like, did they all go to Peter? You know, Peter, come on. He loved Peter, come on. He loved Peter. Maybe they all tried to, oh, are we going to agree? What, what are we going to do? We should all agree upon this. Maybe they had a little huddle. I don't know. You do know he's standing right there, don't you? Yeah, what are we going to do? Finally, finally, Peter looks into the eyes of his Savior. Peter looks into the eyes of the creator of the universe. Peter looks in the eyes of God standing right before him, and he says such a profound statement that I get chills when I read it. 
It is such a profound statement, and I'm going to throw it out to you. In verse 68, but Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? What a question. What a question. To whom shall we go? Where are we going to go? There's a beautiful passage in Mark 10, and I'm going to read it to you real quick like. In Mark 10, beginning in um, verse 22 or 23, then Jesus looked around and said to the disciples, how hard is it for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words, but Jesus answered again and said to them, children, how hard is it for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they were greatly astonished, saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. And then Peter stands up and says, See, we have left all to follow you. We've left all to follow you. What did they leave? They're astonished at this. What did they leave? And here it is, the cost of Christ, the cost of following Christ. What did they leave behind? Did you ever think about that? I'm going to help you. Mr. Zebedee was left in a boat holding a net because his two sons, James and John, dropped their net and followed Jesus at his command. This is unheard of in the Jewish culture. This is unheard of to diss your dad like that, to leave him hanging with the family business. In the Jewish culture, you just did whatever your father did. You just went right along with it, and it was the way it was supposed to be. They saw Jesus. Jesus said, follow me. They said, see you, Dad, and they left. Matthew was a tax collector, sitting at a tax collector table in the middle of a square. Jesus said, follow me. What did he do? He got up and left. Peter gave up his career. Peter was a fisherman. They've given up all. They've given up everything. And Jesus pushes it even further when he says, unless you hate your mother and your father, you have no part of me. What? Hate mama and dada? What? There's a cost to being his disciple. Now, he doesn't mean hate in the word we think hate. What he's saying is, unless you don't put me above everybody, unless you don't put me first, you can have nothing of me. That's what he's saying to these guys. Are you going to leave too? Peter says, where would we go? Where would we go? This is a great answer. Peter is honest. Where would we go? Where would we go? We've left everything to follow you. Where would we go? And then Peter slams it home with the verse in the second part of that verse. You have the words of eternal life. You have the words of eternal life. He looks at Jesus and says, where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. Wow. In Psalm 119, the psalmist says in verse 50, in Psalm 119, this is my comfort in my affliction, for your word has given me life. God's word is life-giving. It's life-sustaining. God's word is the living word. He's the living bread that came down from heaven. His words are spirit. His words are life. He is the living word of God. He is God made flesh who has dwelt among us. We partake of his life when we partake of his words and we hear him. Think about the moment of salvation. What happened? Somehow we heard God's word, verbally or written. Faith arose in our heart. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. We made a decision. We said, I want to accept this Christ into my life. And boom, something happened. Something happened in your heart. And all of a sudden you wanted more of this Jesus Christ and you began to absorb it and absorb it and take it in. 
And God birthed in you a new life. You have to be born of the Spirit. And at that moment, you're born of the Spirit. You're new. Everything else is old. But the sad part about it is, as many Christians just stop there. They don't come closer when Jesus says, come closer. I'm born again. I got, I'm good. No, come closer. Nah, I'm all right. Okay. Come closer. I want to show you some fantastic things. I want to show you some wonderful things. Come closer. Is he calling you closer today? Is he calling you closer to come closer? Is he calling you to take a little bit further step? I remember one pastor I was listening to, and I loved it. He said, lean into Jesus. Oh, I like that. I like that. Lean into him because he's calling you closer and closer and closer. The word of God is our portion. It is our sustenance. It is our sustenance. And how can I say that? Jesus looked at Satan and says, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. God's word is our sustenance because it's life-giving. It's alive. His word is alive. It's life-giving. Peter doesn't stop there. No, Peter's on a tear. Peter says, look out, Lord, here it comes. He's excited. He's excited. Peter says in verse 69, also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. What a profession of faith. Christos in Greek. Christos, the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah. You are he that is supposed to come. And this is a Jewish boy talking. This is a Jewish boy talking to this rabbi. I love this. I love this. It's interesting that belief didn't automatically happen. It didn't come all at once. He says, we have come to believe and come to know. It took some time. As Peter's followed him, as they watched him heal the sick, as they watched him make the lame walk, as, as, as they watched him cast out demons, as they watched him divide the loaves and the fishes, they, they began to realize something was happening in their heart. And then they heard his words. And then his words started ringing true in their heart. And their heart grew and, and grew and grew. And they started to settle their hearts about who Jesus was. This has got to be the Christ. It's got to be the Son of the living God. Everything adds up. Read the scriptures. Look at it. It's got to be the Christ. And although they didn't fully understand, God bless them, they didn't fully understand until after the resurrection. They really didn't fully understand until after Pentecost. They really didn't understand. But they believed. And they trusted and they hoped. And they followed him. You might not understand either. You might not understand it all either, and that's okay. Christ has never asked us to understand. He's asked us to believe. He's asked us to have faith. We should know in our hearts that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus is the word of life, and the words he speaks give us life. And even despite what you might consider a hard saying, in spite of the difficult doctrine that Jesus was giving them, Peter knew there was nothing better, nothing better, nothing better than what Jesus had laid out for them. Peter knew that Jesus was worth following. And if you follow Jesus for any length of time, you know that too. You know that there's nothing better. Where would we go? Where would we go? What would we do? Go back to the world? Ugh! No way. Go back to the heartache and pain? Go back to the desperation and hopelessness? Go ahead. I'll be here when you get back. See, I'm not going. Where would I go? I can't go anywhere. This is a watershed moment because up until now, in the disciples' life, things had been pretty easy. 
You know, they're walking down the road. They come to a blind man. I'm going, hey, watch what he does now. This is going to be cool. He's going to cool. He's going to touch the guy. Then the guy spits in his eye. What? Things have been easy. They just watched Jesus do it all. But after this, things were going to get tougher. And Jesus knew things were going to get tougher. And it was going to come down to the point where this same Peter, this same Peter, bold, strong Peter, is going to say, I never knew him. I don't know who you are. Yeah, it's going to get tougher. You know, as we follow Christ, sometimes things get tough. Circumstances can drag the life out of you. The world can cause you to lose hope. Relationships fail. Finances bury you. Death knocks at your front door. But where can you go to find eternal life? Where can you go to find eternal life? I don't know about you, but where are you turning for the words of life? Are you committed enough to Jesus to stick with him through the bad times? We all want to stay with Jesus through the good times. We all want the power of the resurrection. Woohoo! But when it comes to the fellowship of his suffering, eh. are you going to stick with Jesus when you start to see some of what he teaches come about and it's hard? Are you going to stick with him? Will you sacrifice your faith for popularity? Will you sacrifice your faith for a spouse or a date? Jesus, excuse me, Judas sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. You have a price at which you might be bought out with? Because Satan's going to tempt you. He's going to offer you all kinds of things. And we need to look him in the eye and go, where would I go? Why would I go anywhere? Peter had the sense that following Jesus from this point was not going to make him popular. He knew that things were going to get tough, but he followed him anyhow. Peter faced this moment of truth. Peter faced this moment of conviction. He faced this watershed moment and said, where can we go? He was speaking for the 12. Where can we go? Where can we go? Next week, we're going to finish chapter 6, I promise. And we're going to look at the guy who was standing there with, Jesus, with, with Peter as, Je as Peter said that, and he kept on saying, I don't know. I'm not so sure. His name was Judas. We're going to talk about him next week. Today is a moment of truth. Today is a moment of truth. Will you accept or reject? Will you follow or go away? Will you turn back and go back to your old life? Will you turn back and go back to what used to be? Your decision will affect you eternally. You've been confronted by Jesus today. You've heard his words. What will you do? As we face this moment of truth, many times we're standing at a crossroads, and those of us that have been immersed into Christ, we're proving ourselves to be committed disciples, or are we on the path to defection? When things get real, real hard, will you bolt for the door? Because things are going to get tough. They're going to get a lot tougher. Accepting Jesus Christ does not make all your problems go away. In fact, it might even make them get a little worse. That's good news, isn't it? Where can you go for eternal life? Let's talk about eternity here. I'm convinced that what we're suffering right now has nothing to do with the glory that we're going to see. Glory that's going to shine in us when we see him face to face. You are a sure We'd love to keep studying the Word of God with you again next time on A Sure Hope. In the meantime, we invite you to learn more about this program by visiting our website, assurehoperadio.com. There, you'll find our archive of previous messages from Pastor Dave Shank, available to listen to, download, or even share with your friends and family, all free of charge. Just look under the Messages tab. 
You can listen to additional teachings from this series in John or jump to another book of the Bible. Each book gives some useful insight into God's plan for you and the world you live in. We trust that A Sure Hope is an encouraging program for you. And if you're without a church family, we'd love for you to join us. If you happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to meet you in person for a time of worship and Bible study right here at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. We meet weekly on Sunday at 10 a.m. And you can find all the information you need by visiting assurehoperadio.com. If you live further away or are unable to come in person, we understand. And we'd still love for you to be a part of our church family virtually. You can join us for church online through Facebook Live and on YouTube. Just follow the links that are available at assurehoperadio.com. And don't forget to like and subscribe to keep up to date with the latest information. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Assure Hope.